Good morning. But you can hear me without the mic anyways, right? All right, well, um, I'm going to read our, our passage today. It's 1 John 1, 5 through 2, 2. And if you wouldn't mind just standing with me as we read out of respect of God's Word, out of our focus text this morning. This is the message that we have heard from Him and declare to you. God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, this passage, this text, the, the, one of the words that just grips me is this word of just this thought of darkness. What does darkness really look like? I mean, I don't know that I've ever experienced a, a moment in my life just being in total darkness. And, and it makes me think about, we just you know, heard the news recently, the events that happened in Thailand where the, the boys, the soccer team, were trapped in a cave and they said it was dark. And that was one of the challenges with the rescuers. They had this dark, murky water they couldn't really see. On top of that, they had these, these, these kids that didn't know how to swim that were in a cave that was flooded. I mean, just all these different pieces. And, and as I thought about these events, I was reminded of the events that happened in 2010 in Chile where these miners were were just deeper and deeper. That's the picture you have there of the miners that were rescued in, in this little tube that, that just one miner could fit into. And let me just read you some of the things that they encountered. Uh, there was 33 miners that were trapped 2,300 feet underground in northern Chile. Now, I, I don't know about you, but 2,300 feet, that's, that's a long ways. And so they were, um, the first communication that, that they received from the miners, it was a piece of paper written on this, written these words, we are fine in the shelter, the 33 of us. That, that was to tell whoever was around that all three were there. They were all okay. But that's the first thing that we heard from them, and it took days to hear just those words. It took 16 days, actually, before they heard uh, or got received word from this letter. The entire rescue took them 69 days. So 69 days, these guys were in total darkness, 3,000 or 2,300 feet underground. Can you imagine? Can you even imagine? I mean, have you seen the movie of, of this event? There is a movie that's out. Um, you might want to check it out. But uh, Antonio Venderas is the main character there, so it's got to be good if it's Antonio there, right? Um, so to survive, you know, one reporter wrote this about the event. To survive, they endured constant 90-degree heat, 90% humidity, they avoid to avoid starvation, battle thirst. They had to guide against or guard against fungus and bacteria. Uh, they had to stay the, stay sane enough to to safely be rescued when time came to be to be rescued. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, what do you do when you to pass the time? What do you do to to keep um, hope and to, to keep your thoughts 
just from going to to fear and to worry and to and to going just like they said to keep your sanity in the time of all that darkness. I can imagine I mean, if I was in a, a place like that. I, I think in that darkness, I, I think the first place I would go to is pray. You know, just start praying, just praying, Lord, help me, God, help me. You know, and, and, and maybe even having thoughts of who is God. I mean. You know, certainly he could rescue me. I mean, he, he created me. But I would definitely have those thoughts, I think, about God and about and just praying and asking him to rescue me and save save me and, and these other people that were with me. I can imagine if you were in the same situation, you would do the same. You would probably pray and maybe even begin to ask questions of who is God? Well, who is God? Think about that for a moment. Do we really know who God is? The Westminster Confession, he says this, that the chief end of man is to know God. To know God. The Catechism describes God as a spirit that is infinite and eternal and unchanging in his wisdom, his power, his holiness, his justice, his goodness, and his truth. That's who God is. In John, John 1 John 1, 5, John describes God as God is light. Right? He's light. He's opposite of darkness. And in Psalms 27, David writes, the Lord is my light and my salvation. There again, there's that image of light. And in Psalms 104, he writes, you're clothed in splendor and majesty. He wraps himself in light as garment. So it's this picture of if God is light, he's, he's wrapped in light. It's all about light. He's bright. He's shining. And But what does all this mean to us? I mean, if God is light, then where are we in this? What are we? Well, there's this thing where it talks about in First John. Where John describes the opposite of who God is. So if God is light, then there's darkness. Well, what's darkness? And darkness is sin. In the Bible Answer Man, he defines sin in this way. He says, failing to do the things that we should and doing those things that we should not. Failing to do the things that we should and doing the things we should not. That's sin. Pretty easy to understand, I think. So sin is anything that fails to meet God's standard of perfection. That is sin. Okay? So sin is the barrier between us and God. It creates that barrier because only... So God is light. In Him there's no darkness. There's no sin. And there's sin in us. Think about that for a moment. You know, if you look up the word sin... In the Oxford Junior Dictionary, you won't find it. You won't find it. It was something weird about that dictionary. They decided that they would take that that word out of the dictionary because it wasn't used very often, is their opinion. Isn't that weird? They, they removed sin out of the dictionary so it doesn't even exist. So there's a generation that they go to that dictionary and they're looking and there's no word sin. So they're like, well, it must not be real. Then. It must not exist, right? It would make them think that. And maybe, I mean, I hope, hope you're bothered by the thought of like, well, why would we not have that simple definition in the, in the dictionary? You know, John was also bothered in his time. When he, he's pointing to this in scripture, he, he's bothered that, that sin was just not something that was really dealt with in the time that he was there. It wasn't talked about. I mean, there was, he's writing to, uh, to second and third generation Christians who've become complacent in their Christianity and 
And so what happens is they begin to forget and, and, and not really use that word sin. They just are happy to live the way they want. You know, it says that they no longer, uh, this, you know, this, this sin, the, the thought of sin and how they lived their life, you know, it just had this concept that it wasn't relevant for them. And they began to accept um, this false teaching, the agnostic beliefs, the agnostic belief that the spirit is separate from matter. Now, I want us to talk about that for a moment. Spirit and matter. That's our body and our spirit. They separated the two. And, and, and so the, the challenge with that is, so we have our, our, our spiritual, it's our soul, the, what's inside of us. That, and that's who, who the Holy Spirit's moving about and, and impacting our lives. But then our body is, is what you see in, in our, this vessel and, and the things that we do. And, and so what this belief encounter was, well, you know, I can be this one way in my spirit. Okay, I can, I can be a follower of Christ. But it doesn't really matter what I do over here with my body. I, I can live however I want. I can do the things that I want to do. That's the separation. That's how they separated the two. Now, does that make sense? Does that seem like something we can really do as Christ followers? You know, so this word that comes up in John is this word fellowship. And this fellowship refers to our shared knowledge of God's light and love. So when we know God, we know his light and his love, we we are in fellowship with him. Because God gives us salvation through Christ. So there's this connection of who we are uh, in our spirit, who we we, we come to know Christ. But then there's another aspect of of our actions. And so this this walking in the light that John's referring to, it's talking about the living consistently uh, with God. To obey his commands and and live out his character and and to apply his character into your life. And so, so John is connecting. He's saying it's not separate. Spirit and matter or your body, but it is together. It's in fellowship together. That's how you are connected with God. So as you believe in God, then you are also living in accordance to God's will and God's commands and you're obedient to him. So as Christians, we can't separate this as Christ's followers. If we have a relationship with God, that, that means that we're in fellowship with him. We cannot separate our, our spiritual, our, our spirit, and our how we live. Does that make sense? So think about this. So our relationship with God allows us to know God personally. We can know who He is. We can know how He intersects our life. We can know how He impacts us. Our hopes, our dreams, our pains, our suffering, our sorrows. He's with us. And he walks with us. It's It's personal. And so when we fellowship, we walk in light with God. So this means that we, we must be in the realm of light with God. So the only way that we can possibly do that is our nature and our conduct, they correspond with God's. They have to be, we have to be holy because God is holy. We have to seek to, to be righteous, not in our own righteousness, but to be like God. So we confess our sins, we we, we turn away from our sins. We, we walk according to his commands to love him, to love others. So this problem of sin is very prevalent in what John's talking about in this situation to the people, to the culture, to, to what's going on in this time. And so here's the thing that I want us to understand about sin. Sin hinders us and makes 
it impossible for us to have a correspondence with God, to interact, to, to talk with God, to, to have communion with God, to, to have, be involved relationally with God. Sin hinders us from walking in the light with God. So we think about we think about it this way. Many times with our sin, we try to rationalize our sin. Somehow we try to make our sin really not sin sometimes, you know? Maybe we, we say, well, you know, I don't really have an issue with anger. I just lose my temper sometimes. Or, or maybe you say, you know, we compare ourselves with others. Well, I'm not as bad as them. I mean, they're really bad. I mean, they do all this stuff. Look at them. I'm not that bad. I don't act like that. I don't do those things. So I must be okay. So you justify your actions by saying, I just, you know, maybe you say, you know, I work really hard and, and I deserve to just have fun, to go and have some, some fun and, and pleasure and just enjoy myself. You know, I deserve it because I work so hard. We, we justify our actions many ways sometimes like that. Or then we just say, you know, I, you know, it wasn't my fault I did this kind of thing. You know, he made me do it. She made me do it. It's their fault. In Proverbs 5.22, it reminds us that the, the cords of his sin hold him fast. The cords of his sin hold him fast. It's this picture of, you know, that sin so easily entangles us and gets us caught up. So what do we do? I mean, when we fail, what do we do? How do we respond to sin in our life? Well, I mean, the Bible is very clear. It says that we confess our sins. We, we must confess our sins. That means we go before God. We confess our sins. And confession is more than just, you know, babbling off some secrets or spilling the beans on something. Or, But confession is just it's explaining our sin. Or explaining our sin is not confession either. Well, this is why I did this. And this is what I did. But... but when we're more willing to explain our faults and failures, we begin to open up to confession. You know, we want everybody to understand and appreciate um, the excruciating circumstances that, that forced us to into our sin sometimes. We want to explain it in those ways, but, but confession is more like this. This is what Lewis Mead, an author, he says this, confession is acknowledging our responsibility in our sin. Saying, this is what I did wrong. This is where I was responsible. And confessing is sharing the pain caused by our sin. Confession is, is taking a risk on grace because of our sin. Taking a risk on grace. That's what Smeed says. So confessing our sins means owning up to our wrongdoing and bringing our lives into line with God's goodness and His commands. So confession... It can be difficult. But remember, confession opens the door to forgiveness. So when we confess, I mean, the Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive us for our sins. We open that door so that we can be forgiven of our sins. So forgiveness. Have you ever thought about forgiveness? And what does it really mean to forgive? I mean, how do we forgive somebody that hurts us and what if God's forgiveness of your failure hinges on your forgiveness of others? What would that look like for you? Would that make you nervous? Would that make you think, well, I, hmm, I want others to forgive me better than I forgive them. You know, Philip Yancey's book, What's So Amazing About Grace? He describes forgiveness in this way. He says it's an unnatural act. 
He says forgiveness is an unnatural act. He says that, um, this is what he writes. He says, I never find forgiveness easy and rarely do I find it completely satisfying. Nagging injustice remains. The wound still caused pains. I have to approach God again and again, yielding to him with the residue of what I thought I had committed to him long ago. I do so because the gospel makes it clear to the connection that God forgives my debts as I forgive my debtors. So forgiveness makes little sense as long as the ones being asked to forgive. Forgiveness makes little sense as long as we are the the ones being asked to forgive. So it goes against everything that we feel inside when somebody wrongs us. And being the flawed humans that we are, we, we do have our limits. However, when we are the ones in need of forgiveness, well, isn't that a different story? We want forgiveness quicker, don't we? C.S. Lewis, he writes, To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable, but because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Yeah. But that's hard, isn't it? That's hard. You know, let us always be mindful of our deep and endless need for forgiveness. And be grateful for the limitless forgiveness that is extended to us through Christ and His sacrifice on the cross. Think about that for a moment. Think about what Christ did for you when He died on the cross. Now, I hope it moves you to, for, to gratefulness and, and helps motivate us to, to not wait, but take, take the next move on forgiving or asking for forgiveness. You know, Romans 5, 8 reminds us of this. It says, for God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, we, we were sinners. Christ died for us. Even when we were wronging him. He still died for us to forgive us of our sins. So God initiated forgiveness for our sins. And in doing so, he released a healing power into the lives of all who accept him. So there's a healing power. When we accept Christ, he begins to heal us. Now there's a story um, I came across several years ago. And there's a song Matthew West came out with. And this story, the story um, actually helped him create this song. When he heard this, this story, this, this lady, Renee Napler, she wrote him a letter uh, about her story. And so I want to just tell you about her story. And, and what I want to encourage you to do today, uh, look up Matthew West, look up his song, Forgiveness, and, and just listen to it and think about it. But I want you to listen to her story. This is Renee Napler. I never understand why God would ask Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. The son he wanted so long to have. But I also always hoped that he would never require such a sacrifice of me. Once my first child, a son, was born, I really couldn't understand how Abraham just did what God told him to do. The love of a parent has um, has for a child is like no other. But God also blessed me with three daughters. And the last two being identical twins. 
I love my children with all my heart and could never imagine living without one of them. Now, I have a mission that I did not choose. She gives DUI presentations. And it all happened because of the events on May 11th, 2002. A 24-year-old drunk driver, Eric, killed one of his tw- one of her twins, Megan, and one of her friends, Lisa. Both girls are 20 years old. Now, this was devastating. For all three families involved and the callous friends that mourned the loss of these precious girls. But this is also a story of forgiveness and healing. My family and Lisa's family chose to forgive Eric. We even appealed to, to have his 22-year prison sentence reduced to 11 years. Now, since March 29, 2004, I have traveled all over the country telling this story to thousands of people, mostly teenagers. And I've also talked about forgiveness because we have learned how powerful it is for everyone. Eric told me he has his eternal salvation because of Megan and Lisa. And I show him a video in my presentations and will soon have him as an inmate standing with me, a living, breathing example of dangers of drunk driving but also of the power of forgiveness. That is the story behind Matthew West's song, Forgiveness. And Lewis Mead goes on, he writes this, and I want you to think about this. When we genuinely forgive, we set a a prisoner free. Then to discover that the prisoner we set free, it was us. Now just think for a moment, let that set in. I mean, these are some extreme stories and examples. And maybe we don't have that extreme of a story in our life. I mean, that's pretty extreme to can't even imagine to, to losing a child in a tragedy in that way. I, I know of people who have. And just to be able to, to get to the end, part of her journey is to be able to go to that person that, that changed their family's life forever. And forgive. I mean, she's doing this this positive thing to become an advocate now for um, going around and speaking and, and trying to help change other people's lives so they don't have to experience the same thing. But she's also leveraging it as an opportunity to show to tell others about forgiveness, to give a message of hope and and of God's grace and His love. So, as we continue this morning as we, we continue worshiping and I want us just to think for a moment. Think about that word forgiveness. Remember the, the stories of the, the miners and, and the darkness that they faced? And think about in times maybe darkness that you faced. And think about how God is light and, and how he demonstrated his love for us that he sent his son Jesus to die for us even while we were sinners. So as Christ's followers, we are called to, to forgive. To, as we have sin in our own life, we need to confess it to God. And he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But when we encounter others, how are we going to respond to them? Out of what Christ did for us, how are we going to forgive? 
And this is not easy. I'm telling you, I mean, it's easy to say that up here, but to live it is another thing. Forgiveness is a daily thing. It takes constant prayer. So don't think for a moment I'm trying to simplify this this idea, this this practice of forgiveness. I mean, living our life together with spirit and body connected, it's, it's tough. It's not easy. Because people can't necessarily see our spirit, but they see our spirit through, they don't see it separate from our body, but they see it through how we live, through our body. Does that make sense? I mean, is it, as we go along, as we're going along in the world, and as we live, I mean, others will... We'll see, and in John, Jesus pointed this out. He said, others will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. So how are we loving and forgiving one another? What kind of example are we giving to the world outside these walls? Are we different from those, that Gnostic belief that John talked about? Do we keep the fellowship, the, the what we do and what we believe together and live our life for Christ? Let that be some challenges for us as we, as we're closing, as we end today, as we go into a time of, of prayer, and as we sing songs. Think about Renee's story of forgiveness. Let's pray together. God, you are light, and in you there is no darkness. Even in spite of of the darkness that remains in us, Lord. God, please forgive us. Lord, we have that hope of your salvation and forgiveness because you've told us that you will forgive us. And Lord, I know that there's no risk on your grace. Because if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. And Lord, we must depend upon your gift of salvation. Your free gift that you give to every one of us. And God, we just surrender ourselves to you right now as we reflect on on the salvation that you've given us through your son Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'll just heavy our hearts that how we live for you reflects our relationship with you. And Lord, it's because we we have salvation because your one and only son Jesus. He died on the cross. He, He shared the pain. He took on all the pain of our sins, of all the world, to save us so that we will know you. Lord, we just surrender this to you now. In your precious son's name I pray. Amen.